Christians are supposed to be Christ-like, just as the name implied from when it was originally used in the first century, right up to our own postmodern world today. It's as simple as WWJD, right? Wrong. Join our show host, teacher, servant leader, and fellow traveler as we journey together in learning how lives daily renewed by God's grace and power can embrace Christian living that counts and makes a difference in a broken world. Greetings for Author Talk. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book title is A Champion Game Plan for Life. And joining me from the United States of America is author Preston Brown. Welcome, sir, to the program. Thank you for having me, Jay. I do appreciate this. I'm noticed by the information on the back of your book that you have had a career in uh, in sports. Uh, share with my audience a little of your background and uh, why this book got written. Yes, uh, you know, I um, played, first of all, I played in college uh, with uh, Vanderbilt University in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, also, I was drafted by the New England Patriots and played with them for three years, played with the New York Jets for a year and the Cleveland Browns for a year. And then I finished my career with the Memphis Showboats uh, back in 1985. Um, so those that was my professional playing career. And um, a couple of reasons why I wrote this book, uh, several things. I've had some tragedies, uh, like many other people uh, in their lives. Uh, I lost my mother. She was uh, 42 years old. Wow. While I was in training camp with uh, the New England Patriots, it was August 4th, 1981. Um, mm. Very, very tragic because she was so young, and I was just getting getting used to a mother at that particular age. And, right. Um, so that was one of the reasons. That was one reason uh, that I didn't even know that that was going to be a reason at the time. But And then I fast forward, uh, and I was married for 30 years, and I lost my wife of 30 years seven years ago. Wow. Uh, just unexpectedly, it was um, she was 51 years old, and uh, but we had already had two children. Uh, we've had um, two grandchildren with one on the way, and see, and now we have like uh, you know a total of five grandkids. But she only got a chance to see two. And one of the things that helped me get through that process was a book uh, called "Letting Go with Love," and it was called "The Grieving Process," mm. and it was by Nancy O'Connor. Um, picked up this book, a friend gave it to me to, to read. And um, without that particular book, I don't think that I would have made it through because it was very, very tragic in my life. It was very, very painful, as you could imagine. Uh, so emotionally, it was just, I mean, it was through the roof. So, but what this book did, Letting Go With Love, it, it gave you kind of like a roadmap for what to expect, you know, with the grieving process whether it be the death of a, a loved one or the death of a spouse or the death of a child or the death of a parent. They had individual chapters on all of them. Well, it got me to thinking, and I started thinking, well, you know, so oftentimes we all, as individuals, we have to navigate through the different storms of life. And um, so in, for, in order for us, whether you be an adult, young adult, uh, to get through some of these um, these avenues in your life when tragedies come, when storms, uh, so to speak, that are not in, in the forecast. So many times storms are not in the forecast and say, what are you going to be prepared to do uh, when that happens? So, I, you know, I said that why don't I come up with something that would give somebody a strategy, a game plan, if you will, to navigate through the ins and outs of life 
And uh, if you notice all throughout my book, uh, there are different individual chapters yes. that uh, refer to refer to all different kinds of things and uh, well the book the, the yeah the book style the book style is that of a coach if I can uh, describe it that way standing on the sidelines and and telling the team or the team members uh, what what their choices should be would that be a way to describe it absolutely Jay um, that's a that's a good uh, description of it because uh, and I've been through a lot of these things now a little bit of background about myself. Um, I do preach at a praise and worship service mm. uh, uh, at a church, at a local church here at Lakeside United Methodist Church uh, here in Huntsville. And each one of these chapters actually represent a mini, mini sermon. So what I did, I took the meat and potatoes out of a sermon, and then I put them all into a, a smaller, readable form, and then and we just went with it from there. So, yes, that's why it sounds like coaching. That's why it may sound a little bit of little bit like preaching and teaching all all together now, have you as al- well as a daily devotional book have you always had a faith foundation in your life or was this something that came later in life you know <laughs> that's a great question um, and uh, it's not a short answer to it my my father was a seven day Adventist preacher and uh, my my mother she had us go to a, a an episcopal church hmm. so my mother wanted me to be episcopalian my father wanted me seven day Adventist so when i was growing up i had to go to church on saturdays and sundays so <laughs> uh, with that being said i had the background for this faith base uh, but it was through these tragedies in my life it was through some of the things that have happened that really strengthened my faith, and it brought me back to where I needed to be um, as far as in God's kingdom. Your your chapters are relatively brief. Uh, again, they're almost like, um, again, as a coach standing on the sidelines, giving them that, that two or three sentence uh, inspiration to, to carry on the next play. Uh, was that yeah. purposeful, or, or how did you uh, come about with this uh, this uh, this style in your book? You know, absolutely, Jay. And uh, I think that I wanted less was better, especially for a certain targeted audience. Uh, one of the things that I learned when I was preaching that it's hard to keep people's attention span, mm-hmm. uh, whether they like you or not. That's <laughs> 10 true. Minutes, fifteen minutes is going to be top. So anything after fifteen minutes is going to be a lot of stuff wasted. I feel like same with certain group groups of readers. Uh, there are some readers that like to take the book to the beach, and, I mean, they will sit there and they, they will digest each chapter before they go to the next one. But I kind of wanted people to get a lot out of this particular chapter in a short amount of time. I want you to get the, the gist of the chapter, the gist of what I was a point that I was trying to emphasize. I want you to get that uh, in just a few just a few minutes, you know, and just get it so that uh, my design was so that you would keep coming back to it. Now, having said that, I've had people read the entire book in one sitting. <laughs> wow. And that wasn't necessarily my plan, but if that's what they want. And then they keep on going back to it and referring to it. Actually, I was planning on just getting them each day because I feel like everybody needs spiritual covering on a daily basis. I think one of the things I put in my book and in my introduction, just like, you know, cars, they need refueling every day sometimes. So do we. We need that spiritual refueling each and every day so we can get just a little small tidbit, a little daily dose uh, to keep us headed, to keep us headed in the right direction. 
Absolutely. And and one of the also the other things uh, that is beneficial, at least from a reader standpoint in seeing the way you have approached this, is that uh, it gives me an opportunity to apply it to my life without being told what to do. I mean, it gives me a chance to reflect on uh, circumstance or on the message mm-hmm. in that chapter and make it uh, internalize it, uh, make it a personal part of my life instead of just uh, learning about something that someone has as an idea or as a, an inspirational thought. Would that also be something that you're getting feedback on? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh one of the favorite sayings that my uh, my father used to say is everybody wants to sing the blues, but nobody's been through the blues. Uh. You know, it's, you know, you can't talk about what you haven't been through. Uh, you get like if you've been with somebody that has been through it, it it's, it's different than having experienced it firsthand. Uh, but once you go through it, and most of these chapters, I mean, I've pretty much, I mean, I've pretty much have gone through most of this stuff in one way or the other. And uh, and that's one of the things I told to to, to preach about. Whenever I whenever I uh, picked a sermon to preach on, it was always one I wanted something relevant. So I spent days uh, praying about it and, and researching good material to put together some of these things, and then to come up with catchy uh, catchy uh, titles so that will make people kind of at least want to be intrigued and want to want to at least read it. Um, and that was my plan. Uh, and, it, and it's really not necessarily targeted at any one particular person or persons. Uh, it's just one of those things like you throw it out there and then whoever accepts it, I mean, because I think that it will affect any, any and everybody. For example, I got a review from a devoted mommy of three, and uh, she's a stay-at-home homeschooling mom of three sons, and her view of this particular book was she she felt like that there were not any daily devotion books out there that address young men. She said most of them for, were for young women. I never knew that. Mm. But she was just, she went on and on and on about this uh, this book as far as um, being really, really geared towards these young, uh, young uh, adult males. And your your book, even on the back cover, talks about uh, young adults and and this being a uh, I guess a a part of your life that is important to you that young adults, young men especially, uh, get their yeah. their lives uh, get a good foundation under their lives uh, in the the cultural cultural world that we live in. And you having a sports background, there are a lot of uh, young adults that think that you know. Uh, success and lots of money is available to just about anybody that wants to enter sports or or uh, in the mm-hmm. music field. Uh, they get uh, d- diluted or diluted into thinking that success is just a uh, is available at least at that level to anyone. This is a more practical approach mm-hmm. to life. Yes, uh, the problem that so many kids and I've seen this because I've seen them chase this dream of being a professional athlete. Uh, and, and just what I want them to understand is being a professional athlete is not an end-all, be-all to your life. There, there's so much more. God has so much more planned for your life. But if you throw all your eggs in that basket, uh, you, you'll be fooled. Because the thing here, going back to the storms that occur in your life, uh, there are some kids that are one circumstance away from really being great out there. For example, they were headed in the right direction, but guess what? They got with the wrong crowd. If somehow they got influenced by one dude 
and and this is true with anything that you do. You mm-hmm. ask somebody, when did you start smoking marijuana? Well, it was just one dude in high school. Well, when did you start drinking? Well, it was just one guy. Well, when did you start watching pornography? Well, hey, man, it was just mm-hmm. one dude. So, so many people are on the cusp of greatness, but they're also on the cusp of failure as well, and it's just one circumstance away. And then there are those that try to do it right, but, hey, some of the women out there, they get, there's an unforeseen pregnancy. They, just, they didn't plan on it, but they want to keep the child. For, and, and, and they go, and their life is affected by that. Or then there is a death of a loved one. Now, some people can recover. I thank God that I was able to recover from my mother dying. Uh, and then I just went on to say, hey, I'm going to prove this, and I'm going I'm to do this for her. And, but some people are not like that. They're like, well, you know, I'm done. Same thing when my wife died. I could have easily just said, this is it. You know, I've done all I can do with my life at this particular time. But when she died, it was like cutting your arm off. It was yes. so painful. And I, I thought about just giving up everything. I was like, I'm not going to go back to work. I'm not going to do anything. But I, I dug in, and I, and I started getting better and better each day. And then I started developing a plan for my life, and, and that's how this book came about. It's like, man, I think that other people, just like when I learned with this other grieving process book, and I think that other people will be interested in things like this, too. Beautifully said. This, again, is a short read. It's about 100 and, what, 124 pages, maybe, just just over 100 pages. And uh, exactly. the, the, the title Believe is... Believe me, hey, Jay, I wanted it to be longer. But I, <laughs> the, the publishers, they were so anxious about getting it out. So. <laughs> well, I there lo- may be a champion game plan for life, too. Uh, I would think there, there should be. I love the way that, uh, that you've done this. The title, again, a champion game plan for life and each of your chapters if i if i could call them that are are inspirational moments uh start off with game plan for today and then it uh, goes into the the title or the content uh, the first one staying connected mm-hmm. uh second one take another step uh number 3 which is uh, something that i have difficulty with is overcoming the what ifs and uh, yes, then, yes. And then, then, then the uh, the throwback or the the I guess nod towards um, maybe a, a pop singer, uh, the man in the mirror. Uh, you you've got right. wonder, wonderful right. wonderful titles uh, on the the chapters themselves. Uh, who do you think is going to benefit from this? Did you have a particular audience in mind? When I first wrote this book, I did not have a particular audience. Uh, I felt like there was a very much needed devotional that was different. I mean, it wasn't anything like what Joyce Myers was doing uh, or T.D. Jake was doing mm. or any of your uh, very famous authors that are out there, you know, not taking anything away from them. But right. it was a it was a difference. I, th- I thought it was refreshing because, I, I mean, I did, I mean, I read several daily devotionals all the time. That's what I did. But, um, uh, I felt like that mine was so much different than what they were trying to do and it's more from a you know i had one gentleman that said that uh i was more uh it was more teaching than a daily devotional and you know i wanted to say thank you thank you so much that's exactly what i was trying to do i wanted to be teaching moments you know uh, that somebody could 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 benefit from so as far as the age group yes i want to get to the young adults yes beautiful to them after they perhaps had something tragic happen to them, or maybe before they have something tragic happen to them, so they can understand that you know one of my uh, one of my chapters is strong finish. Just because things happen 
doesn't mean that you still can't have a strong finish in life. Beautiful. Things are going to happen to all of us. I mean, I think that everybody has a story, maybe not as tragic as losing uh, a, a wife of 30 years or maybe losing your mother at such an age, a young age. They may not have that, but they do have their own stories. So in that respect, you know, I'm, I wanted to attract and uh, the, the young adults, people that were uh, medium adults, and then the older adults. I mean, we all could use, you know, some different, different inspirations from time to time. It's just different. I mean, like I said, some, most of my older adults, man, they have read this book in a day. Wow. wow. <laughs> they read it in a day. It's good, and then they just go back to it and refer back to it. And uh, I think all of it's wonderful. I agree. I, I can see this also as a reference point for maybe even pastors who are having trouble figuring out what in the world they need to speak about or speak on the next Sunday morning in the pulpit. They could mm-hmm. use this as a reference point, and also teachers who are Bible teachers. And besides the Christian or religious community, this is a book that should be inspirational and uh, thought-provoking for anyone, regardless of where they are in their life right now. The title of which, again, is A Champion game plan for life author preston brown sir can you tell me where i can uh, get copies of your book uh well you can get caught there on amazon.com is your to go to you can also go to uh author house or company but mostly uh they're giving like as far as the sales from just random sales come from amazon.com that's the easiest website to go to at this particular time because everything is still so new. Um, I will eventually have them available at my website, but I think that right now Amazon.com is fine. I'm just, yeah, I'm so, Jay, I'm so interested in just getting this book out because I really think that it, it is a life changer. It's a game changer for a lot of different people. I mean, and so the emphasis is just to get, I just feel like if people will just read it, I think they'll enjoy it and they will also pass it on just like somebody passed on this other book about the grieving process to me. Well, thank you, Preston, for joining me today and sharing your story. Again, this is a a very short read to some degree compared to some books in the marketplace, but it's one that will inspire you if you get a copy of it, the title of which is uh, Champion Game Plan for Life, author Preston Brown. You can also do a search under Preston Brown and find out about this book. And also, I have a strong feeling there will be more in the future. Thank you, Preston, for joining me today. Thank you so much for having. God bless you. My my pleasure, sir. For Author House and Author Talk, this is Jay Douglas Barker. Stay with us for more Christian Living That Counts, back in a moment. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. The National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute defines high cholesterol as a condition in which you have too much cholesterol in your blood. By itself, the condition usually has no signs or symptoms. People who have high blood cholesterol have a greater chance of getting coronary artery disease. According to the American Heart Association, more than 120 million Americans over the age of 20 have cholesterol counts that are above a healthy level. Harvard Medical School says that the good news is that cholesterol levels can be controlled, and just by lowering your total cholesterol 10%, you can decrease your heart attack risk by 20 to 30%. Making changes in your eating is important, but including daily exercise is a must. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond.
visit our Facebook fan page at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Returning with more of Christian Living That Counts. Greetings for Author Talk. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book title is Intriguing, Building Mountains from Dust, a memoir. And joining me is author Dr. Kimberly S. Young. Welcome to the program, Kimberly. Thank you for having me. This is a short read, a little over 100 pages, but it is uh, one that is a memoir that was important to you on several levels, and it shares an intriguing journey. Share with my listeners how this book came into being. Well, it's an unfortunate set of circumstances for for myself. I was diagnosed um, two years ago with lung cancer, and it was a shock because I never smoked. And I had actually just gone to the doctor for my annual physical and everything was fine. And then I developed a chronic cough and nobody really could figure it out. And then they did a chest x-ray and boom, all of a sudden there was a tumor the size, quite frankly, of a lemon in my chest. And um, my husband and I, next thing I know, I'm at a place called the Roswell Cancer Institute because I'm from Western New York. In Buffalo area, and uh, you know, I'm sitting in front of doctors. They're looking at can they do surgery, chemo, radiation? What do they do to get this thing out of me? And um, it, it was a shock because you know I spent my life taking care of myself. You know, didn't eat bread, exercised, ate organic food, and you start realizing how random life is. And that was the first thing was. You know, I'm a, I'm a writer by nature. I do a lot of research. I'm a psychologist, and my research area is uh, internet addiction, smartphone addiction. So writing is kind of my way of dealing with um, issues. Yes. And I remember, you know, one night I came home from <clears throat> the first couple of doctor's appointments, and I just sat at my computer with a blank page, and I just said, I'm going to write. Hmm. And then uh, suddenly, <clears throat> soon the more I did that over the course of several weeks, the more story actually was coming out, more like a memoir. And I'd never written something like that, but it was part of my therapy personally just to, okay, this is what the doctor said. This is how I felt after radiation or chemo. And it it just became something I could do to release some of the feelings I was having. But then as an author, I started realizing a book was coming out of me. So I just kept going with it, in particular a memoir. Interesting. You know, it was about my husband and taking care of me and my family. So, uh, yes. And, And you also talk about a faith journey. Was that already in process when the illness was discovered, or was it something that came as an adjunct to your illness? It it came as an adjunct to my illness. Now, I'm a faith-based person, but that was something that as I started writing, I didn't even realize it. Actually, the person who first edited my book said, you know, this is really a faith-based journey you're on. And I said, is it? And I didn't really see it until uh, he had pointed this out. And then I reread it, and I said, my goodness, it, it really is like... 
I guess in those down times, those troubled times, those life-threatening times, you know, you find faith. And while I had it, I don't think it was the cornerstone of my life right. at that point because there was no particular reason for it. I mean, in the sense of hardship, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're battling cancer. It was fairly serious. It was a serious kind, too. Mm. I mean, it wasn't... I mean, they didn't give me long. I mean, really, quite frankly, those those life expectancies were quite low. Mm. And, and Given it, it's lung cancer, it's a very deadly form of cancer. And there was and, um, there was no reason for it either. I mean, it, it, you were a non-smoker. There was uh, was it? In, did they trace it back to maybe environmental things, or or was it just one of those happenstance things that happens to to humans on the planet? It is one of those happenstance things. I will say I did my own research on, on just cancer of all kinds. I mean, why does somebody get breast cancer? Why does somebody get lung cancer? Why does somebody get any kind of cancer? And they really don't know why. I will say none of the doctors said this is why. I mean, it could be pollutants in the air. It could be GMOs in our food supply, microbes in our water supply. I mean, nobody really knows. Hmm. So it was just, I mean... Really, I did not find any answers, and I did a lot of research as a researcher. And then I thought, okay, look, we don't know why. Let's just do what the doctors tell you. And that's part of the faith journey. Yes, You and- put your faith, it's God's will, do what the doctors tell you, and, and hopefully you're still, you're still around. I mean, it's been two years, and that's a big thing for me, Absolutely, according to the doctors. Yes, and one of your friends, Barbara, uh, shared a verse of Scripture with you that uh, is sort of well-known to to many people, but it's uh, one that inspired you. She sent you a card, and she said, she shared Jeremiah 29, 11, and 13, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to give you hope and a future. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. That must have been something that gave you additional strength. You know, Jay, it did. Um, it gave me a lot of strength. You know, Barbara, she's, I believe, 78 now and has been a cancer survivor of like nine bouts of cancer. Wow. Uh, retired in Florida, but an inspiration to me. Um, you know, I knew her when she lived with me in I live in Bradford, Pennsylvania, and um, but you know I didn't realize her journey with cancer, and she was an inspiration. Saying every you know when I'd have treatment, she'd text me or send me a little prayer card, like you say, and it did help because you really don't know why you're going through this. Right. I mean, for this is a book for anybody with a life-threatening illness. It doesn't have to be cancer, but there's so many things, obviously, that can just go wrong with the body, and you don't realize it until you're until you're in it. I mean, I was perfectly healthy, and next thing I know, I'm seeing doctors all the time. Wow. And that was kind of Barbara. Mm. You know, I mean, 20 years ago, she had her first bout of cancer when she was in her 50s, like me. Again, I was lung cancer. She never smoked. And then she also developed breast cancer and several other cancers. But uh, I'm remarked that she's alive, you know, despite it all. And it wasn't easy. 
I mean, look, cancer, the hard part is what they got to do to you. Barbara even kind of is, is blunt like this. She goes, look, they, they burn you. They give you chemicals. It's, <laughs> it's never very good. It's, you know, it's not like getting your appendix out and you're all done. You know? Right, right. And so part of the book, I think, is just to give people hope. I mean, that's the metaphor for building mountains from dust. This is about resiliency. This is about overcoming adversity. It is about finding faith because those are the things that are going to get you through those t- tough moments. Absolutely. So, yes, you're, you're climbing a mountain, but the, technically the mountain is, is kind of like dust. Mm. You know, you're getting to the top, but it's it's just a metaphor for how we can overcome the most difficult times of our life. And additionally, uh, besides the cancer diagnosis, there was some other family uh, unexpected Mm -hmm. things that happened. Uh, Share with my listeners what happened following the diagnosis with your your husband. Sure. Well, this is a whole layer of dimension that I didn't anticipate. You know, when I wrote Building Mountains from Dust, I thought, okay, this is about the cancer faith, hope, overcoming adversity. And I'd written the whole book. And really, at the end, there was a big sigh of hope. Even though my diagnosis didn't really change, I definitely felt there was there was a future. My husband had been there taking care of me every day. And then, and it really was a tragedy. And it's hard still to talk about it. But yes. we went away on a cruise and you know we were celebrating you know it was his birthday he also had heart conditions i had my cancer but i was doing good we said, we're going to go on a cruise and um <clears throat> out at sea he passed away ouch and mm. it was i mean one day he was fine i remember we were in florida then we went out to the caribbean and and it was very odd. I mean, he woke up in the morning. He had like what he thought was maybe stomach problems. He was like, my stomach hurts. I don't feel so good. Yes. And, I, you know, we didn't, we weren't worried. <clears throat> we thought, well, we're eating high on the hog. It's a cruise. You know, he seemed okay. But then as the day went on, I, uh, I looked at him. I said, I don't think you're looking so good. So let's go down to the medical center. When I tried to lift him from the bed, he passed out. He became unconscious. Hmm. I thought, okay, this is serious. Called the nurse. I said, get up here with a gurney, wheelchair. we got to get him downstairs to the medical center. Something serious. I I just don't know what. And it was confusing because, you know, laying down, he seemed fine. But once I got him up, he he was unconscious. Anyway, she came with the the wheelchair we got him down now he's laying on the table talking to the doctor his blood pressure came up and we really couldn't figure out what was wrong EKG was normal his blood work was normal except his hemoglobin was low we still weren't quite sure <clears throat> well then honestly he seemed fine I got the doctor all his medicines so he said well let me keep him here overnight and we we still weren't sure what was going on and were concerned that he might pass away. 
well, about five in the morning, I got a call in my <clears throat> my room. You better get down here now. Mm-hmm. And I get down there, and they're they're working on him. And I can see they're he's intubated. The monitors aren't showing any signs of life. And I I, I said to leave the room. I thought, oh my god. And I'm sitting out in the waiting room. Then the doctor calls some, you know, code. Next thing I know, 10, 10 officers come into the room, mm. <clears throat> into the medical center. And I'm like, oh, God, he died. He died. Wow. And I had his, um, interestingly, I had his cardiologist cell number. And I said, I need to make a ship to shore call now. And they let me use the phone. And then his doctor got on the phone with the ship's doctor, and then he got off the phone. He goes, it's an abdominal aortic aneurysm. Wow. And I had to learn that was a very sudden way to die. Like you, you know, if it pops in in you, then it basically bleeds to death. And that's what was happening was he was bleeding to death, but we didn't know that's what was happening. And we just, he, you know, we really didn't. Yes. So then we're out in the middle of nowhere and I'm having to figure out how to get my husband's body home. Mm. I mean, so it was it was things like that. Now I called our undertaker, our funeral director from home, who was also a friend, and he was very helpful, everything in terms of getting him home. But if you've ever had to deal with that, I mean, I had to meet with Homeland Security. I had to meet with the FBI because you just don't bring a dead body into the America. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's a cruise or whatever. They just need to kind of ask you questions. Mm. But what an incredible incredible journey. It was hard. Yes. I mean, cancer and then the death of your husband unexpectedly. Uh, your book could be looked at as a very sad uh, account of uh, what's happened in your life, but the underlying fact is that it's a faith journey and one that will inspire the reader. I think you've done a fabulous job of weaving through and uh, knitting together a story that will inspire the reader. The title of the book, again, is Building Mountains from Dust, a memoir, and my guest, Kimberly S. Young. Uh, Kimberly, where do we get copies of your book? Oh, well, all the online bookstores, booksellers, you know, I don't know if it's um, actually through the publisher in, in many bookstores, you know, I, I really am, but I know it's like, you know, Amazon, Goodreads, that kind of thing, you can always order it. And um, and I'm glad to also point out, look, while I'm talking about a very difficult subject, obviously my husband dying and cancer, you are right. I mean, when I wrote it, I remember finishing the epilogue where I talk about Jim and my husband and the cruise, but it's positive. Mm. It wasn't about him just dying. Right. You know, it's it's how he became my angel. And really, even as I, I mean, he died a year ago, and I find comfort with him mm. being in my life and having been my angel now. And honestly, I had to have some very serious surgery about a month and a half ago. And I remember waking up, and it's not like I saw him, but I sensed him. Hmm. I sensed him in my room the night before surgery, just saying it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. 
So I feel there's some bonds that are, I don't know, can't be broken and angel-like, but that is still the metaphor is you build resiliency, you don't give up, and faith is such an important part of that journey. Beautiful. Beautifully said. And and again, your book will be an inspiration to who, whoever reads it. It's just a little over 100 pages, so it's not a difficult read, but it is uh, one with conversational uh, content back and forth with uh, with other uh, persons who have interacted with you during this journey. So thank you for sharing your personal life story so far. And again, as a published author, they can do some searches under your name, Kimberly S. Young, or probably Dr. Yeah. Young, and find out other things that you've done. You've been featured on uh, most, or at least your your books and the content of your books and your research has been featured on all the major television stations across the country. So you are someone that um, has a story to tell and uh, certainly has lived the journey. Thank you again for, for being a part of today's program. Thank you, Jay. I appreciate being on. My pleasure. Again, the title of the book is Building Mountains from Dust, a memoir. And my guest has been Dr. Kimberly S. Young. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. For Author Talk, this is Jay Douglas Barker. Stay with us for more Christian Living That Counts, back in a moment. hear about Wesley, the golden retriever puppy from Michigan that was fitted with braces? Before you think this is a bona fide insanity, Wesley was born with teeth that were so crooked he couldn't shut his mouth all the way. This was affecting his ability to eat properly. So his owners took him to the Harborfront Hospital for Animals and Veterinary Dental Solutions, where a 